Well, good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? Let me first start by saying this. Yes, I did get a new haircut, okay? Um, And it is chilly outside, okay? So I don't know if that was the best decision this time of year, but I thought we're starting a new year, so I started with the new new do as we enter that year. But if you're our guest here this morning, let me start just by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at NCC, and we are so excited that you're with us. This is the last Sunday of 2017, and you've chosen to spend it in a great place. And so we're excited that you're here. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us um, in this message. I'm excited about what God wants to speak to us today. I thought a lot about how do we want to end this year? What is it that God wants to challenge us with? And so I want to talk this morning about setting your past on fire and stepping in to what God has for you. Setting your past on fire, leaving those things behind from a past year and stepping into what it is that God is calling us to. And when I thought about this, I thought of whenever I was a young boy, we lived in Oklahoma and my parents had bought a little bit of land and we had kind of a temporary housing Um, place on the plot of land. It was actually a bus, you guys. So I grew up living in a bus for a little bit of my um, childhood. So if you wonder why I am the way I am, that may have contributed to it, okay? But it was just a temporary thing because we were going to build a house on this property. And so my parents were in the process of doing that. We had bought the land and we were getting ready to build and creating the plans and all of those things. And one night, whenever I was about five years old, my dad, my brother and I had already gone to sleep and my dad woke us up. He said, get on your cowboy boots. And so we did. We put on our little cowboy boots and we grabbed some shovels and we walked to the edge of our property. And we had quite a bit of land there. Our neighbors, you know, it took a little bit to get to our neighbor's house on both sides of us. And I remember walking for a number of minutes. And as we got closer, I could smell something. And then I could see in the distance this fire. And it was just coming towards us. I mean, it was moving slowly. It wasn't like a rapid burn, but slowly, like I could see it coming towards us. It was already at our neighbor's house and it had burned up their field. It was starting to make its way towards us. And my dad said, start digging. And so we had these little shovels. I mean, I was just five years old. My brother was six and my mom and dad were out there and we just started digging. And dad said, we're going to try to make a trench. So the fire, as it comes, it doesn't jump onto our property line. And I was little, so it seemed like we dug for hours. I mean, it may have not been that long, but it seemed like we were there for almost all night just working down our property line, trying to stop this fire. And slowly it was getting closer and closer and closer. We got to the edge of our property line, like where we thought we had dug enough. And I remember going back and and getting in my bed and we went out the next day and, and we had prayed and we could see that the fire stopped just short of our property. I mean, it was amazing. It's kind of a miracle. It just kind of cut out and and moved in a different direction. But it was sad because we could see our neighbor's property, some of, some of the things that they own, part of their house, and, and their property had been burned by this fire. I mean, fire can be a devastating thing. Like even this year, we see this with what's going on in California and the devastation that it brings. But fire also has a purifying effect. And as I was reading some of the news articles about what people have lost and, and all of those, I got on this article that talked about a controlled burn. I don't know if you've ever read anything about that, but sometimes they start fires intentionally. And sometimes they do that like in a forest, like in the national parks, Um, the forestry service will do that, or sometimes farmers will do that, that it'll be a controlled burn. And they'll actually take a plot of land that's growing, that has vegetation on it, and they'll burn it to the ground because when it burns, it actually brings new life. There's fertilization there. There's something that happens that the fire refines. And I want us to look at this idea of setting our past on fire to step 
into something new this morning. Now, let me say this, okay? If you are a pyromaniac, just ignore the fire illustration, okay? Do not go out and burn something. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about severing those ties in our lives from past things so we can step into the future that God has for us. And so we're going to open God's word and look at what he has to say about this. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to start reading at verse 19. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. We have you covered. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you. And you can take that out and turn to page 172. And I want to encourage you to do that or take out your smartphone and Google um, just 1 Kings um, chapter 19 and you'll get there where we're going. And once you have that, hold on to that for just one moment, okay? Once you have it, hold on to that for one moment. 1 Kings chapter 19, in case you're not familiar with what's going on in the book of Kings, let me give you a quick kind of picture of what's taking place here. The book of Kings is about exactly what it sounds like it's about, okay? It's about kings. And it's about different rulers that led the people of God whenever they had entered into the promised land, the the land that God said he was going to give them. Some of them were great leaders. So some of them led the people, protected them, like took care of the people of God and really helped people follow after the Lord. And some of them were very wicked. And so they built false idols. They built false temples and statues. And they caused the people of God to go and to worship false idols. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, We're under the rule or the reign. These kings and queens that were over were Ahab and Jezebel, and they were very wicked, okay? And they had built statues and false gods, Baals, um, the god Baal, and they were encouraging everyone to worship them. But there was a man of God named Elijah who spoke up during this time, and he was the voice of righteousness. He spoke and encouraged the people to return to God. And this is kind of what's taking place in the book of 1 Kings is God has just used him to kind of um, disprove all of these other false gods. He called down fire from heaven. If you've ever read that story in the Bible. And so this amazing thing has just happened. And then God speaks to Elijah in this whisper on the side of a mountain that God is about to do something new in the nation of Israel. They're about to enter into a new season. And so God commands them to do something. And this is where we pick up the story of Elijah and Elisha. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19 says this right here. And so he, this is talking about Elijah, departed from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was there with the 12th. And Elijah Elijah passed by him and he cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen, this is Elisha, and he ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. And Elijah said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and he sacrificed them and he boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and he gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and went after Elijah and he assisted him. So what's going on in this passage of scripture here? What does this have to do with setting our past on fire and stepping in to what it is that God has? As I just mentioned, the nation of Israel, they were kind of in this balancing scale right now. They were kind of in this pivotal point of who they were going to serve. They had just seen the one true God send down fire from heaven. They had just seen all of these false prophets, 400 of them discredited because they could not get their God to respond. And so they're in this place and God says, I'm about to do something new. But ironically, it wasn't through the prophet that Israel had known. It was going to be through a new prophet named Elisha. 
And God tells Elijah, I'm about to use someone else to begin to lead my people to be a voice so that after you're gone, Israel will still have a voice that hears me and that knows what it is that I'm doing. And so we pick up this story of who Elisha is. And there's a few truths that I want to glean from these passages. And so if you're taking notes, you can write these things down and allow God to speak to you about your past and your future and what it is that he's calling you to. The first thing that I saw as I looked at this passage is when God calls you, you have to pursue it. When God calls you, you have to pursue it. I know that may sound like a simple truth, but we read that. So when Elisha, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was on the 12th and Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah. It's kind of a weird passage that's going on here, right? He's going about his normal day's work, like just what he typically does, okay? And all of a sudden, he's out in the field plowing, and this guy walks up to him, just walks past him. Okay, so Charles, imagine you're at your place of work, right? Someone just walks up to you and does that, right? And then just walks off. We know these are guys, right? Because girls would have stopped and talked for a moment. Elijah just walks off. Like, it's not about football. We're not going to have a long conversation there, right? Like, we're just going to kind of let this thing go. We're going to let this thing pass. I'm going to need that back because if I forget it, my wife's going to kill me, right? He just throws this thing at this guy, and then he walks off. He doesn't even say anything to him, right? He doesn't give him a plan. He doesn't tell him all of God's ideas, what it is that God's calling him to, right? He just throws it at him, and then he walks off. And Elisha's probably sitting there for a moment wondering, hey, what's going on? Like, what does this mean? But he probably would have known because it wasn't just a typical coat or anything, that cloak. If you continue to read this story, even into 2 Kings, you see that it was symbolic of God's anointing, of God's power, of God's blessing, of God's presence over him. And Elijah in that moment was saying, Elisha, God's calling you. You've been here just going through your normal routine, through your normal day, but God actually has a plan. God has seen you. He has a purpose for your life, right? He wants to do something inside of you. And so in that moment, Elijah throws that on Elisha. It's this moment of revelation that God wants to do something in Elisha's life. But he could have done what so many, and I think so often we do in our life, he could have thought, well, well, I guess that was just a moment that kind of passed me by, right? Like so many times, I don't know about you, but in my life, I want God to line everything up. I want all of the details. And so before I actually step out and start to pursue God's dreams and start to pursue what God has called me to, I want to know what the end is going to look like. And Elijah doesn't give him that. He just throws it on him and walks away. And what do we see? If you're going to follow God's dreams, you're going to have to run after them, you guys. You're going to have to pursue them. You're not always going to know what the end picture looks like. You're not going to always know all of the details. But when you hear God speak to you, when God drops a dream inside of your heart, you have to do something. And you may not have all of the finished plans. You may not know what it's going to look like at the end. But you have to pursue the dreams that God has called you to, the dreams that God has given you. See, because if not, you could think, man, that's just an opportunity that passed me by. And maybe it was, but maybe you need to run after it. Maybe you need to pursue it. Maybe that dream that God has placed inside of you, that desire that you thought, man, it's been there for a little bit. I'm just waiting for God to do something. Maybe he's waiting for you to do something with that. 
Maybe he's given it to you because he wants you to chase after it. He wants you to pursue it. For some of you, they're dreams that you've had for years now, right? They went on the 2014 list, the 2015 list, the 2016, now the 2017. You're saying, God, I'm waiting for you to do something. And he's saying, wait, I'm waiting for you to do something. I've called you. I've placed it there in your heart. I've given you that dream. I've placed that purpose in your life, but you have to begin to pursue it. You have to begin to take steps. And as I look at Elisha's life, like he's holding onto the plow, he has to make that moment of decision, right? He's got that moment of decision. This guy just threw a cloak on me, right? This just happened, but he knew God wanted him to do something. He knew that was a moment that God was speaking to him. And so he runs after Elijah, right? He begins to follow after him. And what is that going to look like in your life? Because I doubt someone's going to walk into your place of business, your classroom, your house, and throw something on you. But God is going to speak to you. It may be in the morning in your personal prayer time that you hear the voice of God. It may be in a service like this. Maybe in something that you see or something that you read. And all of a sudden, a dream that maybe hasn't been alive for years, it comes alive again. And that's the moment that God is trying to get your attention. What are you going to do with that to pursue it? You have to take the first step. Right, church? I mean, you've got to let go of that plow and you've got to step out and take the first step that God is calling you to, that God is speaking over your life. For some of you, it's as simple as getting out your phone opening up the Bible reading plan, clicking on a plan, and clicking start. Because we're about to start a new year, and for some of you, you've said, hey, I want Scripture to be more important in my life. I want to read God's Word more. I want to take in more. I want His Word to shape me. But what have you done this past year to actually do that? See, you got to take that first step, you guys. For some of you, it's a broken relationship, and you don't really want to live like that, like it's awkward when you're around family, maybe that family member that you don't get along with, but, but you don't know what to do. And for you, it's taking that first step. It's taking out a, maybe a piece of paper and a pen and just starting to write, hey, our relationship is broken, but I don't want to leave it like this. For some of you, it's starting an education. It's continuing your education and going further with that, and it's just getting on a computer and looking up an online class and starting somewhere. See, you have to take some step, you guys. It's not going to fall in your lap. And the plans that God has for you, he's not going to do them all for you. You're going to have to do something to pursue what it is that God is calling you to and the dreams that he's placed in your life. See, Elisha knows that. Elisha knows that if he stays there, he's not going to fulfill what it is that God just spoke to him when that man threw that cloak on him. He's got to do something. And so he leaves it and he begins to run after the man of God. He begins to chase after that dream and that calling that God has placed on his life. See, God is going to call you. God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life, but you're going to have to run after it, church. You're going to have to pursue it whenever God speaks to you. The second thing that I see in this passage is that if you want to step out into what God's calling you to, you have to set your past on fire before you can step into your future. You have to set your past on fire before you can step into your future. This is what that verse said. And so returning from following Elijah, he took the yoke of oxen and he sacrificed them and he boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen. And I'm thinking about that, right? He's been plowing. This man of God throws this cloak on him. He runs after him. And Elijah's saying, hey, just go back home. Just go back to what you were doing. But he doesn't want to do that. He wants to pursue the dream. But first he goes back, kisses his mom and his dad, and then he goes out to the field and he creates a sacrifice. 
The thing that he's been plowing with, those wooden yoke of oxen that were keeping the ox together, those things, he breaks them down, he creates an altar, and he burns those animals on that altar as a sacrifice to God. And I'm thinking, why does he do this? Like, what's going on there? And as I started to think about this, sometimes I approach the Bible and I think, oh, these guys just magically have the ability to do what's right. I don't know if you ever do that, right? Like I read this and I think, oh, that was so easy. Yes, of course. Like he kind of burns his past, right? And steps out into his future. But this is his livelihood, right? This is how he makes his living. This is how he earns his income, right? This is what he depends on. And when you read this, and I'm just trying to put myself in Elisha's shoes, he's not just starting out, you guys. He doesn't have just one ox. There are 12 yoke of oxen, okay? And if History pictures serve me right. That means there's two oxen per yoke, right? That's 24. He has a small business there. He's got some money invested in this thing. And it's not just him, right? He's pushing the 12th plow, but there are 11 other individuals out there that are plowing in front of him on his family's plot, on this land that, have, that are using his oxen and his yoke and all of those things, right? He's a small business owner. And not only is it his livelihood, it's the other people's livelihood that are there with him. He's responsible for that. And there could be the tendency in his life to say, hey, I'll leave this here in case I need to come back to it. But he doesn't do that, does he? Nope. He goes back and he severs those ties. He sacrifices those things. He brings them as an act of worship before God. He sacrifices them because he knows that to step into his future, he has to set his past on fire. And if he was going to leave his past, he had to sacrifice those and sever that and not make a plan B, not make a second option for what it was that he could fall back on. Like there had to be this idea. I don't know if I'll get paid a lot as a prophet. I don't know how much money I'll make following Elijah and being his servant or being his assistant. I don't know if all of this is going to pan out. And so, so I need a plan B. So many times that's how we operate when God gives us a dream in our heart, but that's not what Elisha does. He goes and he sacrifices these animals and he presents them as an offering before God. And he gives up what he had known. He gives up what is comfortable to him, what is familiar with him to step out into what it is that God is calling him into. And church, I wanna challenge you with this. If you have a plan B, if you have a backup option, you will never fully commit to what it is that God is calling you to. Like we see this all throughout the Bible, right? The people of God, they've been in slavery for 400 years, and God brings them out of slavery from Egypt, right? And he's leading them into this promised land, and things get hard. And what's their first response when they hit difficulty? Let's just go back to Egypt and be slaves, right? This is our natural tendency all throughout history, that when things get difficult, we'll go back to what we know. We'll go back to what's comfortable. We'll go back to what's easy. And Elisha knows that he has that tendency, and so he stops it right at the starting point. And he makes this sacrifice and he says, God, there is no plan B. There is no backup option, God. I'm going all in into what you're calling me to, God. I'm giving up everything that I've known, Lord, and I'm stepping out into the future that you're speaking to me about, God, that you want me to, to step into. And I think about this in our lives. See, so many times, so many times in our life, you guys, we fail to learn from the past and we want to live in it. We fail to look back and, and to get instruction and, and to learn what it is that God's saying. And we end up living. We end up holding our hand to the plow and trying to pursue what God wants. And it doesn't work. And Elisha knew that. And so he makes this sacrifice. 
And he says, God, I'm stepping out into what it is that you're calling me into. I thought about this in my own life. God, how have you done this inside of me? And I remember this moment. We first started out in youth ministry. We got to the first church that we were at. We were youth pastors. So we were over all the students from 6th to 12th grade. And the first youth group just had three students in it. And we were there for a number of months, and we saw it grow. And by the time we left, there were about 15 or 20 students. And then we went to the next place, and there were 30 students. And then by the time we left there, there were over 100. And then the next place, there were about 150 students. And then by the time we were getting ready to leave, there were over 200. And there was this natural progression. And I remember one day being in Peoria, Illinois. We had been there as youth pastors for a little bit, and the youth group was growing. And the district called me. And our superintendent that was over all of the Assemblies of God churches in Illinois said, Aaron, we want you and your wife to consider coming here and being the district youth directors, being over all of the youth groups here in Illinois, and you'll be a resource to them. And I thought, man, that sounds great. Like, we're just going to keep growing. Like, successes are going to keep coming. God's going to do this. And I just said, hey, can I get a little bit of time to pray? And he said, yeah. And I spent that day praying, and I talked with Sarah, and I talked with a few other people in my life. And one person just reminded me, what has God called you to do all throughout your life? And and I just shared with him, this is my passion. And he said, you'll be miserable in that place. And everything inside of me, you guys, wanted to hold on to it. Like I thought, well, I'll just go through the interview process. Like I know I'm probably not going to take the job, but I'll just go through the interview process. Like I'll sit down and talk with them. Like we'll go meet with all of the executives there. Like I can do this, right? And I'll just kind of hold on because I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, maybe this is something that God wants, yet I knew in my heart, no, this isn't what God's calling us to. And can I tell you the hardest thing to do was to shut that door, to pick up the phone and to call that district leader and say, hey, man, thank you so much for this opportunity. But for me and Sarah, this isn't our time. This isn't what God's calling us to. And church, I want to tell you that the hardest thing that you will do in following God's dream is to shut the door on your past. So shut the door on where you've been, on what you've known, on what's been comfortable in your life, on what God's done back there. To shut that door, to set your past on fire and to step out into what God is calling you to. For those of you in this room, for some of you, it's a relationship that you've been holding on to that you should not be with another individual. And you need to shut that door because God is calling you into something new. For some of you, it may be with your job. It may be with your occupation. For others of you, it's in small decisions that you're making in your life. It's in things that are comfortable in the way that you're living that is not honoring God. And he's looking at you saying, this year is ending and what are you doing? What opportunities do you need to shut the door on as you step into a new year? What is it that you need to say no to? What is it that you need to set on fire as you're entering into a new year to follow after my plans and my dreams and what it is that I've called you to? See, if you're going to step into God's future, you have to set your past on fire and you have to begin to follow what it is that he's speaking into your life. And I want you to know this, as you step out and follow God's plan, it's a blessing to others. As you step out and you follow what it is that God is speaking, it blesses others. We see this in this passage. And Elisha returned from following him. He took the yoke of oxen, he sacrificed them, he gave it to the people and they ate. See, his act of obedience, his act of sacrifice was actually a blessing to the community around him. It was a blessing. They, they received the blessing of him stepping out and following in on what God was calling. And see, as you and I, as we chase the dreams that God has given us, 
as we follow after what it is that God is speaking over our life, it's not only going to impact us, it's going to bless other people around us. It's going to impact those people that are around you. And it may not just be in a financial way. See, there are people in your workplace, there are people that you know, students, there are people at your school that are looking at your life. They're watching you. They know that you're a follower of Christ and they're looking how you're living your life. And your act of faith of stepping out into a dream that God has given you may be what sparks their relationship with God. Your act of obedience of stepping out, of closing the door on the past and stepping into the future that God has for you, that simple act of obedience may be what causes that coworker or that family member to say, man, I want to know more about who God is. See, as you step out, it's actually a blessing to other people. It makes an impact with others. It makes a difference in others' lives. And so my question for you this morning is, church, are you all in? Are you all in for God's dreams and God's plans? Is there anything that you're holding on to that's holding you back from what God has called you to do? Are there any dreams that you've kind of put to the side and you said, God, I don't have time for that, but you realize in this moment that God is speaking to you, that this is an opportunity to say, God, I'm all yours. See, this would not have worked if Elisha was not all in. Because did you read how this passage ends? He arose and he went after Elijah and he assisted him. He goes from this business owner. He goes from this wealthy landowner. He, he owns property. He owns all of this. And what does he become? He becomes a servant, right? He becomes a servant to this guy. That's how he starts out. But see, he's willing to do this because he realizes, God, this isn't about me. This isn't about me, God. This is about your dreams and your plans. God, I'm pursuing what you've called me to do in my life. And it's not about the position that I have. It's not about my title. It's not even what other people will think that I've left something, God, that's prosperous to go to something else. God, it's about what you've spoken over my life, Lord, and I'm following after that. See, that's why Elisha could do this. And because of that attitude, that's why God blesses him. When you read his life, he did twice the amount of miracles that Elijah did. Two times the amount. Because he was willing to say, God, I'm all in. No matter what it looks like, I'm willing to go serve as a servant in someone else's house, God, because it's what you called me to. I don't know what your dreams are gonna look like. I don't know what the call of God is gonna look like in your life. I don't know what things God has placed inside of you that he's challenging you to pursue, that maybe you're holding on to something else, but I can tell you it's worth going all in, church. It's worth saying, God, you have control over every part of my life, over my finances, over my time, over my skills, God, over my energy, over everything. God, you have it all. And Lord, I'm willing to chase and pursue the dreams that you've placed inside of me. Church, I'm willing to bet in a room of this size, there are those of you that are just sitting on those dreams. And you're still plowing, you're still holding on to that 12 yoke of oxen. You're still doing what you've always done because maybe you're afraid, afraid. it may be past successes, it may be past failures, but you're afraid to step into what God's calling you to.